Hello and welcome to the DH Effect. My name is Sonia and this is my co-host Hillary. At the DH Effect, our number one priority is creating meaningful connections. It is something we work at daily for each other, for our families, our clients, and our communities. But here's the thing, connection does not happen by accident. It starts by truly seeing each other at a heart level. You're so right. And and the guest that we have today, Will Murphy, is someone that we met. He is diversity, inclusion, and belonging for Amgen's global R&D organization. There's gosh, over 4,500 employees, and they all really share the same passion for connection, right? Just this huge connection and deep commitment to fostering a culture of belonging where diversity is celebrated, not just tolerated, but celebrated and inclusion is the norm. Uh, It's such a powerful thing. And outside of work, Will is just a fitness nut. He is one of the most self-disciplined people I know. He's a total adrenaline junkie. He's an avid Chicago sports fan, which we will forgive him for um, because he actually knows I have ties to Wisconsin and Minnesota. So there's a little thing there for people out there. Um, And I'm proud to say that Will's really a dear friend whose idealism inspires me daily. So thank you for joining us, Will. Thank you so much for the invite today. It's a pleasure to be here. And, you know, it's, it's funny as I'm reflecting on kind of your common sense of virtue around why you do this podcast. It's just so congruent with the way that we think about diversity, equity and inclusion at Amgen and really the mission that we're on here. So it's always great to be part of a common company here focused on a similar type of mission around inclusion and connection. So thanks again for the invite. Oh, my gosh. So feeling you. Thank you for that acknowledgement. And we would love for you to just first start off. Can you just share a little bit? about what DEI is and what that looks like in a company like Amgen. Yeah, absolutely. So just kind of clicking it a a step above Amgen and just kind of centering around DEI first and foremost, right? We really think about diversity as a strength, right? And, And diversity in terms of the folks within our organization and their intersectional makeup. Um, we think about the E in equity around systemic challenges that, you know, by nature of the systems that have existed for centuries, how do we break those barriers down and really understand the different barriers that uh, what I would argue kind of marginal identities experience, right? We really think about equity and inclusion, the I, right? Feeling a sense of true inclusion where you're expected, valued, heard, uh, and, and included in the conversation and at the table as the epitome, right? inclusion and belonging, but that equity piece is critical to ensure a culture of inclusion. And so we think about that a lot in terms of, again, these systemic barriers that different communities may face in terms of inclusion from the margins, right? What are the most marginalized groups, uh, depending on kind of where we're talking about, uh, whether it's in an organization, in society as a whole, and the nuance that exists from country to country and region to region because of microcultures and traditions, and really understanding those significant barriers that folks face so that we can be honest with ourselves and then really start to break those down. Um, As I think about it in terms of Amgen and the mission that we're all on here, I really love the word you all are using around connectedness. And and ultimately what we believe deeply as an enterprise is that our our differences, our uniqueness leads to better science. Um, And by nature of that, we really wanna harness and shape it internally so that our people feel that they're celebrated for who they are and that there's not any element of conformity, uh, that they don't need to put on a mask every day at work and that they can be themselves and work towards a really inspiring mission of curing disease all around the world. 
I love that so much because you really do celebrate and, and we, we actually, I think you're the first person who gave me some of this research on innovation and the idea that, you know, when we have diverse thinking, when we have diverse backgrounds, when we have people that are coming and looking at things from their unique perspectives, backgrounds, from every community, right? And being a part of it. Sometimes when we get together, there's a little bit of a, a friction at first as we figure things out and everybody gets on the same page. But then moving forward, the innovation and the blind spots we may not see because of our, our different unconscious bias. I mean, all kinds of different aspects of how just how we grew up and not seeing a whole part of, of what we can consider as being really important in, in science. Um, it is just such a remarkable thing. When we, when we first met, besides the fact that we both identified as being a Tigger um, and bouncy, <laughs> the bouncy people. Uh, just a little bit. Just a little bit. We really started talking about this idea of, of virtues and and the idea of seeing people for who they are instead of what they do. And there seemed to be something around that that really resonated with you. Would you mind sharing a little bit about how these virtue words that our audience knows about, um, these virtue words sort of lended themselves to the lent themselves to the workplace? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And, you know, Hillary, the work that we've done around virtues was really a light bulb aha moment for me, not not just in the capacity of who I am and my virtues, but also the way that uh, I lead and the way that our leaders lead and that connection to the workplace of celebrating people for who they are, rather than, you know, what they're accomplishing, to your point. And I think there's a balance there. But ultimately, and, and even reflecting our model at Amgen, you know, we talk a lot about our kind of performance model of what have you delivered? But the other half is how have you delivered it? And this is rooted in our Amgen values and our leadership attributes, and then connecting it to DEI, this is, you know, in, in, in an Amgen context, it's our value of trust and respect each other at the core of what we do. And virtues, uh, leveraging virtues, what I've recognized is using those as a great way to show that trust and respect and celebration of uniqueness and in individuals. And so, you know, as, as Hillary and I have gone through this exercise together, you know, she's really helped to me to better understand what I see in myself and what others see in me as well. And it's been a really rewarding exercise and experience because now I'm able to carry that forward and use it in the way that I lead and the way that I coach our leaders to really invest and celebrate our people. Um, so it's been a journey for sure too, because it's a different approach to recognition. Um, and I think that's the key uh, takeaway that a lot of companies could benefit from in working with you and in working with Decided Heart Effect is you know, how do we how do we really get people more personal and more celebratory and rec and recognize individual strengths and virtues in a way that feels special to the recipient, um, again, rather than kind of what they've accomplished, because our identity is so much more than our work. Um, it really is comprised of who we are, what we bring to the table and what we consider to be key elements that make up our character. Mm, it's so connecting with you because of my personal development with the virtues. I don't know about you, Will, but when I was first introduced to these words and the words were like a category of virtues, I'll have to admit, I'd be like, oh, virtues, I don't, I don't, I just, there was a detachment there. And the more that I had to practice these words, but the power of, of language yes. is extraordinary. And yes, I'll have to say when I began to do acknowledgement using virtues, it felt a little funky at first. And then I was, rec I was receiving responses. I was feeling good about myself. 
I was telling myself of the, how am I showing up in the world? It felt great. Like I, I'm actually growing right now. <laughs> I was seeing how others were receiving it. And it's so tangible. I mean, these words are, it is based on research. These are words that when we say truly help see another person, they're like, well, what does that mean? It's beyond the good job. You're doing great. What does doing great really mean? And so a lot of our leaders will feel like, well, I am acknowledging them. I'm saying they're doing great. <laughs> But they're doing, they're not showing up as. And so I just, I have grown, I, I resonate with your experience as well, because that is truly the power that I felt. We would love for you to speak to, you know, there's probably some leaders of organizations right now listening, and they're probably having the same response that I did, like, oh, virtues, heart-centered, people-centered. Uh, they might think it's too soft or mushy. What, how, how would you respond to that? Yeah, uh, definitely something that we've experienced and understandably so. I think we've seen a pretty significant pivot and transformation in the way that companies are thinking about culture um, and really thinking about moving from a traditional model where people maybe historically were treated more of an, a means to an end, right? Means of production for a business to deliver. But, but realistically, it's the people at the core that enable a business to thrive. And without them, the businesses would not exist. So let's let's focus on that first, right? People-centered culture requires us to be really mindful and appreciative of identity and character and virtues. And, and in that regard, what I like to talk to leaders who may be you know, a little resistant or leaders who are just simply learning as they go because this is a new way of working that might not be as traditional as their the experiences they've had for the last 10, 20, 30 years, depending on who we're speaking with. Um, relationships at, at the core are quite consistent, whether we're talking about business professional relationships or relationships outside the workplace. And, and, and to define that a little bit more specifically, what's the underlying, you know, the, the underlying component of a relationship is trust, it's communication, it's active listening. And, and ultimately a lot of those pieces are directly tied to the virtue words that we're speaking about. Um, and so I really tell leaders that, you know, the, the way that you interact with your staff and the relationships that you build are consistent both in and outside the workplace. And, you know, if, if, if we just give it a shot, right, it's just, well, you know, how hard is it really to reach out to somebody and, 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 and test? And going back to your comment and, and just resonating with your own experience around first seeing these words and being a little bit uncomfortable and having to practice them, I can validate that by an exercise that Hillary ran for a team of ours internally. And it was a little uncomfortable, but what you start to see, right, is like you recognize and you see the feelings and the emotions in the room and the tone that that sets as you for move forward into more business related work, right? Actually means production and, and, and driving initiatives, driving science, driving outcomes for an organization. Um, but it's starting with that relationship first. How do we establish trust? How do we appreciate one another and how do we leverage that uniqueness to then feed into the business? And so my guidance, you know, if there are any people in the room today, they're a little bit skeptical or wondering if this is too soft for the workplace, give it a chance, give it a shot, try it with a, a, a trusted colleague who maybe you have a little bit stronger of a relationship with and it won't be as uncomfortable 
and take a leap of faith and use one of those virtues and see their reactions and really actively engage and pay attention, not just to what they're saying, but how they're reacting in their body language. And that's really what I recognized in that exercise that we did where this was quite uncomfortable, new team together in person for the first time, really getting to know one another. And it did set this incredible tone for a strategic onsite that led to safety, to be open and honest with each other, to disagree with one another, to really debate the best ideas. And I ultimately don't think that would have happened as effectively had we not started with virtues and celebration of one another's traits and character. Thank you for saying that. I'm, I'm just reflecting on what an honor it always is to meet people who are as courageous as you are. Well, and, and you have the courage. No, it really is. It's so true. You have the courage to show up for your family, for the people around you, for your community, for those who need justice and equity in a way that is so powerful. And I love that you are willing to try anything and see what happens and uh, and then implement when when you see the results, you know, you're not somebody who just goes off and, and like, oh, you know, this is, this is it now. You really have so much backing. But I, I would love I did not tell you I was going to do this and, and you don't have to if you don't want to. Uh, but I think that risk taking you have such a powerful example. You won an amazing award um, for as an alumni. And, and I, I don't, I I don't know if you want to share that story or not, but what happened to talk about a decided heart effect, the DH effect, we always say is when you make a decision to show up in courage, the impact you can have the ripple effect that you can have on the people around you. And you had this moment where you made a very courageous decision and it changed some things. Do you mind sharing? Absolutely. Um, I love this. And, you know, I've, I've become a lot more comfortable with the experience, you know, as I reflect back on it. But at the time, I was a little bit scared. And so the context here is, you know, I won this incredible alumni achievement award, decade of achievement, 10 year post graduation from my master's of HR program. And I was back in front of a bunch of classmates and faculty and other award winners that are much more seasoned and experienced than I am. And I felt a lot of I felt imposter syndrome a bit. Um, you know, I, I, I was challenging my own worth and value. Did I really deserve this award amongst, you know, a, a, a phenomenally talented group of peers that also graduated from this program? And as I took a step back and I looked at my original speech that I wrote, it was very corporate, uh, very traditional and, and kind of status quo of, you know, where I've been and the work that I've done. And then what I reflected on and what I realized as I was reviewing this speech that I'd written on the flight home for this event was that underlying all of it was virtues. And you had connected me to virtues just in time, coincidentally. (laughs) And as I read through these words, and as I looked at my speech, I really started to understand and appreciate and surface the fact that it was the character of others and myself that led to my success. And so back to your point of not just what you've done, but around how you've done it and what you bring, you know, in your own character to the table, I completely changed my speech to be focused on a set of virtues that I felt were present and prevalent in my 10-year career history leading to this award acceptance. And so I talked about the love, um, you know, that my family and my friends have provided me that enabled me to pursue my career and reach where I am today. Um, I talked a little bit about the helpfulness and the selfish, or sorry, excuse me, selflessness of others that really 
uh, mentors and the people around me that enabled my success. And then I talked a little bit about my own, which was probably the most uncomfortable. Felt like I was bragging a little bit, but honestly, it was a direct reflection of the virtues exercise that people around me had written. And so Hillary had asked me to speak with three different individuals, a family member, a friend, and a colleague, and, and ask them to look at this set of virtues and select the ones that represent will most. And one that came up was excellence. And so that was the one I celebrated in myself in my speech, which again, felt really uncomfortable. But what I recognized was in, in, in reading the room, the body language, the tone, the clapping, the celebration, people really honed in on it. They felt that it was special. And it just so happened to connect really well to the next speaker or, or the award winner who also talked about the love in his life and that had he not had that love, he was not confident that he would have won the same award and had such a storied and, and celebratory career. So again, I think it just goes to show that, you know, at the core, people are looking for that connection. People want to be seen, heard, and valued for who they are. And I was able to use that moment to demonstrate that to a room of 80 professionals, HR professionals, uh, career and faculty members, and again, my peers who are all in some way, shape, or form in HR capacity and, and industry agnostic. It was just such a powerful event. And, you know, again, I'll, I'll evidence as well by the, the, the line that I had following my speech and the folks who came up to me and said, that was different, that was special, and we really appreciated mm -hmm. what you had to say. Um, so again, taking that leap of faith and getting out of that feeling of, you know, being uncomfortable and, and feeling like I was an imposter, and then really recognizing my own special sauce, not only what others have said, but what I've recognized in myself, um, was a really powerful moment that has changed the way that I communicate and the way that I lead. Mm, I'm in that room right now. And Part of the so thank you so much for sharing the details of that because what I imagine being in the audience, and we really believe that if you truly are acceptance of accepting of yourself and others, the energy changes. And I just imagine, I mean, first of all, I would be terrified. I mean, who does that? Who changes their speech, by the way? Like, who does that? So that that courage because you felt like there was something right. And for you to stand there and just show your heart and perhaps some vulnerability and this acceptance of your excellence and perhaps other, I'm sure there's, there's other virtues that come out strong. Is this release an immediate connection to these 80 people that you probably haven't met or maybe a little bit, right? I mean, that's, that's the effect. And I think that you honed in on something so powerful is this, you know, we were raised to accept narratives. This is what is right. This is what is wrong. And so we, we want to follow those rules. And all of a sudden we're adults. And like, you know, now it's uncomfortable to say that I am excellent, that I am compassionate. And then, so that is the courage is to say, wait, no, we're supposed to do that. That is, if we want, if we want others and to see and value others for who they are, we have to do the work for ourselves and proudly claim I stand here before you showing up in, with these virtues. And that is also taking some practice as well, right? Great. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I just celebrate you. I'm sitting over here and I'm like trying to, I, I keep on, um, you know, again, I, I can't speak highly enough of the courage that I see in you every single day. Well, I, but, I, you know, one of the other things that I see in you so much is is idealism. And it is really one of your core virtues. And 
when you look at the, and by the way, anybody who wants to get like the, the definitions of the words and what are these words you're talking about, we'll put a link up so that you guys can find them and see them. So you're not like, what are they talking about? Is this a secret language? Um, so, but one of those things is idealism. And it is not just, we always say idealist as in like, oh, you're just an idealist, almost like we're writing them off and we're, but the way we define it is you dream the world can be better and then you act to make it better. And that is so apparent in every single thing that you do in how you champion the people around you and how you champion your community. You show up that way. I would love, we would love to just give you an opportunity to share with our listeners and our viewers, what, what is your dream for the world? Uh, thank you for that question. That's a big, bold question. And we know you know, all across the globe right now, you know, whether it's in America, uh, you know, whether we're talking about in Iran, you know, we are seeing uh, a, a much more provocative and explicit message around social disruption and also social activism. And, you know, back to the idealism virtue and the comment you make around, you know, pushing it aside, ah, that's just an idealist. I want to hone in on that just for a moment before I answer your question. Um, because I've absolutely felt that way in the past. And isn't that what we all aspire for? You know, it's, I, I've been told you need to be more pragmatic, right? You need to you, you kind of hone in, right? And really focus on what's reasonable. But our aspiration should be to change the world and then back into it, to your point. And so like, I'd like to challenge folks who think that way. Uh, because ultimately, that's where innovation happens, right? This isn't just about this isn't just about society and connection, but applying it to a business landscape, a business context. The same thing applies, right? We can always do things better. We can always do things differently. There's an element of continuous improvement that needs to be embedded in all organizations because we know the world constantly changes, processes change, systems change, technology advances. What doesn't shift is the people in the organizations. And so having those types of aspirational thinkers, um, those idealists who see a better world, see a better ecosystem for patients, if we're talking about Amgen, and then having the courage to talk about that openly, you inhibit that when you say be more pragmatic. And so I really love working with folks that understand that idealism matters, but then can be pragmatic in the way that they get there, right? And it's a continuous effort. We require this energy every day. So back to your question of what do I see for the world? I'm going to put it really simply and think about when I was a kid, I was always taught the golden rule, right? Treat others the way that they want, or excuse me, that you want to be treated. That's wrong, right? And thinking about like learning and unlearning and relearning, I've been reading Adam Grant's book, Think Again, and really breaking down our original assumptions and the way in which we were raised, the experiences that we've had, the media that we consumed, the schools that we go to, and, and really recognizing that it's not about the golden rule, it's about the platinum rule, which is treating others the way that they want to be treated. And how do you do that? You have to get to know your fellow person across the table. You have to spend time listening. Um, you have to leverage Hillary's amazing framework around companioning, right? How do you really get to know somebody and what makes them tick? And, and, and make sure that they feel seen, heard, and valued. And in that regard, 
that is in fact the platinum rule because then you learn how they want to be treated. And that's a customized, personalized, intimate approach. It takes work, it takes constant attention, um, and it takes you being proactive and putting your best foot forward to really understand the wants, needs, desires, and lived experiences of others so that we can create a better society. That's my vision for the world. Treat others the way they wanna be treated and do the good work to learn how they want to be treated in that regard. Um, and I could always talk about, you know, the tangibility, the practical and pragmatic approach to how to get there. But that's my ultimate aspiration. And also a key reason why I'm in this DEI role, you know, really driving more equity and inclusion at the center of our company so that people feel that celebration. Um, and so that we can, again, treat others the way that they want to be treated to result in better societal, business, scientific, technical outcomes, you name it. Mm. One of the, oh, sorry, go ahead, Sonia. I, I just wanted to request, can we just multiply Will by a gazillion times and put him out in the world? Right, <laughs> right, no kidding. I don't know if the world could handle that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes we can, we can. A lot of energy. No, I love that energy. I actually was going to put an exclamation point on the energy and what you said, because I think that what occurs to me as I'm listening to you talk is so many of us learn to explore and play and grow into things through curiosity. And then somewhere along the way, as we grow, I don't know, maybe it's the education system, who knows, that's a whole nother story. You know, it, what it, whatever it is, there come there, there gets to be this point where we're grown ups, And when we're grown ups, we're not supposed to be curious anymore. And in losing that curiosity, we've become a lot of people that think our opinions are more important than understanding the, the person sitting across us, across from us. And, and we've forgotten that life and people can be a scavenger hunt of all kinds of curiosities and explorations. And it doesn't have to be the same. In fact, it's remarkable and it's a jewel. It's a gem when we discover the differences and celebrate them, not as something that is a, an affront to how we were brought up, but it's just a different perspective. So I, 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 my, my listening to you, it's almost like I'm thinking in order to get there, we need to allow ourselves to play again, to play in curiosity, to find that joy in curiosity. And we need to be able to also let go of feeling like if our perspective changes that we were wrong, it doesn't mean we were wrong. It just means things change. You know, and maybe there never really was a right or wrong. Maybe there just has always been a spectrum. And, and I think that that's just, as I was listening to you, those were some of the thoughts that went through my mind. I really love that on the curiosity piece, right? Because, you know, putting your best foot forward and having that conversation does demonstrate curiosity. And, you know, aren't humans interesting? I mean, this is what makes the work so fun, right? We're all different. We're all unique in our own way. We may be all, you know, kind of connected in the sense that, we want to feel that connection. And again, I'm going to keep repeating it. We want to be seen, heard and valued, but the way that we get there and the way that we operate in the world is incredibly individualistic. And we all have our own very unique lived experiences. And isn't that what's so much fun about getting to know somebody mm -hmm. new and really learning what makes them tick. Um, and I can say that I've personally benefited. I mean, the role that I'm in, my job is to really listen and learn and amplify and become a better ally. And so through that, I've been incredibly curious and really gaining cultural competence of different intersectional identities and backgrounds um, and, and using that to really help shape a culture where, again, inclusion is the norm and our diversity is celebrated. So thank you for that comment, Hillary. I really appreciate it. 
And I just wanted to extend that curiosity too. And if you, you've noted this and, and you've kind of awakened our own stories, our own stories since childhood and being really curious about what did I say to myself? One of the things I want to raise, um, Katya, our, our, our partner in the DH effect, um, she said, I used to work with her and uh, I'm, I'm multi-racial, half German, half Filipino. And she once asked me, who did I identify? And I said, Mexican. So I was like, none of it. Like, <laughs> And, but there was something, I mean, it's funny. And there was something there. Like, why did I, you know, now 10 years later, I'm reflecting back on that. It felt very real. And to dissect it a bit, to play there in terms of what was my world like growing up? When did I decide to change golden to platinum rule? Uh, who, who did I identify with and who do I not know? Can I look up a little bit and become, and that, that awareness of what haven't I learned yet? That to me is so extraordinary in terms of the personal work that then we ask is the awareness is fine. That's great. But then, then the tangibles, now you're accountable to doing the work. And then that, that feeding and that connection, it's just so something that Hillary and I are like, just it's mind blowing in terms of how those efforts. And yes, it takes some work, but it does take a bit of the, the playfulness because there's some forgiveness. There's the curiosity but boy, does it come a hundredfold, you know, once you get to there and you always go with people like, okay. right. It's not like you're not by yourself. I would exactly. love before we ask like your, your people who have companioned you along your journey of diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've just been, I've been incredibly blessed to have an incredible community around me from a couple of previous mentors who really helped me understand the value that I bring into the workplace. And, you know, what I picked up on was, you know, charisma and energy and compassion for others and creating space where people can be who they are, but then also raise all of their brilliant ideas using their brilliance of their past. And so, you know, my recommendation to folks listening is surround yourself with people that have your back, um, you know, that that have similar virtues or or values um, and, and, and don't waste any other time. Um, you know, in addition to that, I'd say, you know, Hillary and I have just forged this incredible connection. And I'm so grateful for her showing me the light as it's really easy to get caught up in the day to day and to sometimes forget about how grateful we should be for where we are and who's around us and what we do for a living and the virtues that comprise our identity. Um, and then I'd also just like to give a couple of special shout outs. Um, you know, I have an incredibly supportive wife who has really helped me continue to really hone in on who I am. And I, and, and if we had more time, I'd be happy to be more vulnerable and share my past history, but to keep it short, um, I did have, you know, a borderline traumatic childhood. And it took me a long time to really appreciate and understand and process what I went through. And so I'm so grateful again for my wife, Nishi, my partner, um, you know, the mentors, again, like I've said that I've had around me, um, and then a couple of really close friends who, you know, in, in, you know, kind of traditional male relationships and upbringing, were very surface level in the past. And I've got a couple of really great friends today, um, who have gone much more deeper and and are, you know, leaving behind the days of the surface level masculinity and not talking about emotions and feelings. And it took me quite a bit of time to be able to, again, kind of unsurface and then uh, and then be able to talk about it openly. And had it not been for a couple of those gentlemen, I may not be where I am today. So just, uh, again, I appreciate the question around companioning. And I've, again, been really privileged to have some phenomenal folks around me. Yeah. 
<sighs> I just want to stay with you all day because I love spending time with you. And and I have to say, I'm I, we did not set you up to saying this. So to, I'm I'm like oh, trying hard not to um, spill over because that happens sometimes with me. Um, you know, and I, I learned just as much from you, Will, if not more. So I, I want to thank you for that. And and um, and thank you for for meeting. I can't believe you haven't met Sonia before. I've talked to both of you about each other so much. I think that our people out there are going to want to connect with you. I really do, because why wouldn't you? And how would they do that? What's the best way for them to connect with you out there? Yeah, great question. Um, I am quite active on social media. You know, typical business professional response is find me on LinkedIn. Um, If you want a little bit more perspective into who I am, right, a little more personal, um, you can find me on Twitter. My tag, I believe is WB Murphy 89. Um, you know, that's where I like to engage in a lot of conversations with other practitioners in the DEI space, um, HR, that's where I, you know, you'll see me engaging around Chicago sports, everything but the Cubs, um, and everything in between. Um, and then in addition to that, you know, once we connect, always happy to have a conversation, I really find that that personal connection is a lot more meaningful than perhaps an on internet exchange. And so I look forward to any of your followers who are interested in talking about DEI, talking about virtues, talking about HR, or biotech, um, or, you know, any of my personal hobbies or interests, um, would love to connect with folks. And again, appreciate the opportunity to, to, to share my information broadly with your community. Oh, so amazing. Thank you. And thanks for being so available. We're going to have all the links um, in the description area. So it's going to be easy to find you. What a pleasure it is. I, I, you know, when you connect with someone on the heart level, so this is the first time that Will and I are meeting each other. I just feel like we're going to be getting together soon too. So it's just an instant thing. It's so beautiful. Likewise, Sonia. (laughs) Thank you. So thank you to all of our listeners and viewers for joining us for this episode. Please be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms as well as Will's and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or just YouTube so you'll never miss an episode. Check out our website, thedheffect.com for great opportunities to nurture your decided heart. Until next time, may you have the courage to live with a decided heart.